The Bob Murphy Show, episode 133. There's a tidal wave coming. What you gonna do? Get ready for another episode of The Bob Murphy Show. The podcast promoting free markets, free minds, and grateful souls. It's your source for commentary and interviews, conducted by a Christian and economist. Now here's your host, Bob Murphy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Bob Murphy Show. This is going to be an unusual one for you folks. It features a debate between Thaddeus Russell and me on the topic of postmodernism and specifically whether that's a good foundation for liberty. So let me just tell you a little bit about the backstory here. Well, actually, first, let me formally explain who Thaddeus Russell is. For those of you who don't know him, a bunch of you probably already have heard of him. Um, He has the podcast called Unregistered, and then he created what's called Renegade University. He's the author of A Renegade History of the United States, which I know many of you enjoy. It's basically like looking at U.S. history from the point of view of the renegades, the, you know, the, the little guy or woman, the oppressed person, not the grand presidents and corporate barons and things like that. So um, what put Thaddeus on the map for me, oh, and by the way, I should also mention, just so you know, his, his, uh, he's got credentials, even though he doesn't hang his hat on them. Uh, he's taught at Columbia University, Barnard College, Eugene Lang College, and the New School for Social Research. Um, I don't know if he's currently teaching there, but as of the time I'm looking at this, it's, he teaches history and cultural studies at Occidental College. He's got a PhD in history from Columbia University, uh, and his first book was Out of the Jungle, Jimmy Hoffa and the Remaking of the American Working Class. All right. So as far as how did this particular episode come to be, I lately have been really getting into the culture war stuff and, hey, where did these social justice warriors come from and this cancel culture and all this kind of stuff? And so one hypothesis to explain all that that's being put forward by people like Jordan Peterson is that it has to do with the postmodernist movement and it's linking arms with, you know, old, old school Marxism and, and what's that, what has produced an intellectual currents and how that's manifested itself on college campuses and then is now spreading to the broader culture. So Thaddeus Russell detests that theory because Thaddeus thinks that, no, no, the stuff that we see on college campuses and Marxism in particular are incompatible with the postmodernist framework because the whole point of postmodernism is there are no meta narratives, that there's um, no objectively verifiable explanation or theory, truth with a capital T. And so say what you will about Karl Marx, but at least he had an ethos, right? He, he thought he had discovered laws of history and that, you know, objectively <laughs> that it was correct for the proletariat to exploit the bourgeoisie or to expropriate them and so on. And that's the kind of thing Thaddeus is saying that, no, doesn't make sense under postmodernism. That's kind of the whole point. Okay, so that's where he's coming from. And he debated Stephen Hicks at the Soho Forum. Thaddeus did, not Karl Marx. And I've profoundly disagreed with what Thaddeus's position was. So Thaddeus was saying, not only should we not blame the 
postmodernists, people like Jacques Derrida and Michel Foucault, uh, Richard Rorty, the American, they were saying not only should we not blame them for today's social justice warriors and cancel culture, but in fact, they achieved the crowning achievement in academia of, of liberating everybody from the uh, power structures of the past through their insights into how language and science and other institutions have been corrupted and used by the elites to subjugate people, to keep them in their boxes. All right. So Thaddeus was arguing with the Soho Forum debate that the postmodernists are our heroes and we should all be postmodernists as good libertarians. Okay. So I profoundly disagreed and I was going to ask him to be on my show or I was considering it, th you know, thinking, well, does it make sense to do it at this time? And then out of the blue, he emails me and says, hey, Bob, I have my Renegade University and I'd like to have you come on for an hour and a half and just, you know, answer questions from my students, that sort of thing, because, you know, we, we like you for your economics with Contra Krugman. Talk about Austrian economics. So that's when I proposed, I said, explain the backstory and said, how about we take the first segment of this appearance and we'll debate postmodernism and its foundation or its, its capacity to be a foundation for liberty. And he said, fine. So that's what this episode is ultimately going to be. However, I think for those of you who haven't gone into this stuff, I need to show you, first of all, a brief excerpt from when Thaddeus was on Joe Rogan's show talking about this stuff. Because in our debate, I paraphrased what I took Thaddeus's position to be when it comes to gender identity and the relationship to postmodernism. And Thaddeus was disagreeing with me. He was saying, no, that's not what I said. And I went back and reviewed it again. <laughs> I think it is what he said. So just so you don't think I'm crazy and you can see what I was talking about, I'm going to include before we dive into the discussion with Thaddeus, that clip from him appearing on the Joe Rogan show, just so I can, you know, maintain my street cred. By the way, I understand the irony that I'm arguing with someone on postmodernism and I claim he said something and he denied that he did. I get there's lots of jokes there and do what you will with that. But besides that, just in case some of you think that the arguments I use or the analogies or the applications when I had this debate with Thaddeus, in case you think I'm just being goofy and that, oh, come on, Bob, that's a pretty extreme exaggeration. That's not what anybody, no, 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 no. You need to see what's actually happening on college campuses and the lengths to which these ideas are being taken. Okay. And so the very first thing we're going to go over here as a preamble before the main event is this is an excerpt from a YouTube video put up by the Family Policy Institute of Washington. So as the name suggests, these folks are not down with SJWs. And uh, it's just an interview with this guy, Joseph Back, who was going around a campus, putting a microphone up to students and just asking them some questions about like, what could I identify as? And I think you'll be surprised, some of you at least, at how much uh, flexibility the students were willing to give them in this matter. So again, I'm, the point of me reproducing that is the first thing we're going to listen to is to make sure you understand how far these ideas are being taken. Then the second thing is going to be the excerpt of Thaddeus on Joe Rogan's show to uh, make sure you know what I had in mind when then I went to debate Thaddeus. In particular, well, I'll tell you when I, when I queue up Rogan's show. I'll tell you what to listen for. 
two more points, folks, before we jump into it. Number one, there were some glitches with the uh, recording in terms of there was, uh, you know, it was, it was live that we were talking to each other and there were some glitches and it just, for various reasons, it just made sense to go to run with it. It would have been too hard to try to correct. So the audio quality is not going to be up to the normal Bob Murphy show standards, but this is the best we could do. The other thing is I realize it for those of you who are listening to the audio version and not going to the YouTube channel to um, watch it that way. And by the way, you just go to the BobMurphyShow.com slash 133 if you want to see the YouTube link to go look at the video, which I recommend. What you need to know is for this upcoming first clip, the guy asking the questions is like 5'9", and he's, he's a white guy. All right, so I realize the audio might not be as funny to you as the video is, but that's the guy asking these college students that question. He's 5'9", and he's a white guy. Okay, so without further ado, let's go ahead and listen to the excerpts from Joseph Beck on a college campus asking people about identifying oneself. If I told you that I was Chinese, what would your response be? I mean, I might be a little surprised, but I would say, good for you. Like, yeah, be who you are. <laughs> I would maybe think you had some Chinese ancestor. I would ask you how you similarly came to that conclusion and why you came to that conclusion. Um, I would have a lot of questions just because on the outside I would assume that you're a white man. If I told you that I was seven years old, what would your response be? Um, I wouldn't believe that immediately. Uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't believe it, but I mean, I it wouldn't really bother me that much to go out of my way and tell you no, you're wrong. I'd just be like, oh, okay, he wants to say he's seven years old. If you feel seven at heart, then, <laughs> then so be it. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> so if I wanted to enroll in a first grade class, do you think I should be allowed to? Uh, probably not, I guess. I mean, unless you haven't completed first grade up to this point and for some reason need to do that now. If that's where you feel like mentally you should be, then I feel like there are communities that would accept you for that. I would say so long as you're not hindering society and you're not causing harm to other people, I feel like that should be an okay thing. If I told you I'm six feet five inches, what would you say? That I would question. Why? <laughs> because you're not. <laughs> no, I don't think you're six foot five. If you truly believed you're six five, I don't think it's harmful. I think it's fine if you believe that. It doesn't matter to me if you think you're taller than you are. <laughs> so you'd be willing to tell me I'm wrong? I wouldn't tell you you're wrong. No, but I say that um, I don't think that you are. I feel like that's not my place as like another human to say someone is wrong or to draw lines or boundaries. Okay, so there you have it. I just, again, the point of me reproducing that was just to let you know how far this stuff is being taken so that when you hear me talking to Thaddeus, you don't dismiss me as just being absurd and, oh, come on, Bob, nobody's taking it that far. Yes, yes, they are, all right? Some of them are. And so that's what I was trying to pin Thaddeus down on. That's I wasn't doing it just to like make him look dumb or to trap him or something. I really wanted to know how far did he take these ideas that he was willing to apply when it comes to gender. Okay, now... Here is Thaddeus on Joe Rogan's show talking about classifying people as men and women and, and Thaddeus's take on that, especially with respect to the postmodernist movement. Before we turn to it, though, let me just prep you. In particular, keep your ears open for when Thaddeus says, 
that ultimately these categories are meaningless. He says it not once, but twice. And I'm just stressing that because in the debate with Thaddeus, when I brought that up just to establish what his position was so we could talk about it, he was acting like I was nuts. So (laughs) I'm just going to point out, no, I'm not nuts. That's what you said twice. Okay, so here it goes. So postmodernism, this is where Jordan Jordan Peterson makes me want to like throw chairs when he talks about this, Um, comes out of French philosophy uh, in the 1960s and 70s and 80s. Michel Foucault is the most famous example of a, of a French postmodernist. And he, they get dumped on all the time. But the central, the central argument that was made by Foucault and postmodernists was that none of these things are biologically determined, that there is no natural essence to anything, that everything is a social construct which means that we now are free to choose our own destiny as individuals, right? Prior to that, prior to the 1960s and 70s, it was the dominant belief that if you were born a woman, you were going to be a wife and a mother. And if you weren't, you were doing something unnatural, right? That if you were black, you could never be the head of a business or the president, right? You could never do math, whatever. If you were white, you know, you should do all those things, right? Everybody's destiny was determined at birth. And everyone believed that. Most people believe that. Okay. So postmodernists came along and said, guess what? You know what we found looking at history? We found just what I said. I just gave you the whole postmodern argument right there. We looked at history and we saw, first of all, that all these categories have changed over time, which tells us that they're just inventions. They're just inventions that get reinvented all the time. Okay. And second of all, they have served the purposes of ruling elites because they get to put people in their boxes and control them more easily, right? Oh, those people over there, those are black. Therefore, they should be our slaves. So it's okay for us to have them as slaves. Those women over there, we don't want them, you know, working for NASA. So they, we will have a rule against women working for NASA, whatever it is, right? So postmodernists said, none of this is biological. None of this is inevitable you are now free to do what you want as an individual. It was a liberating moment. It has become the dominant way of thinking in academia. And I have to say, in my view, it is the supreme achievement of academics ever. That's it? That's it. But it's huge, huge. So if you think about it, look how the world has changed, and particularly in the United States since then, right? We no longer generally have those ideas. At least we don't operate as such. So black people are allowed mostly (laughs) into places they weren't before. Women are allowed very much so into places they weren't allowed before. All the whole world has changed. And I think principally from that idea. Now, the problem is that these social justice warriors, so-called on campuses, have used some of that language and taken a shit on it. (laughs) So the trans movement, for instance, right? That started from postmodernism. That whole idea, right, is that, you know, if you were born with a penis, you're a man and you should do X, Y, and Z with your life, mm-hmm. right? The trans movement needed that, needed postmodernism to make that intervention and say, no, that's not true, right? You can actually be a woman because because woman is an invention. It's a social construct. What trans, much of the trans movement now is doing, which makes me so sad, is that they're saying that I am biologically, essentially, naturally, you know, in my core, a woman. No, no one is. (laughs) No one is. 
the whole point of this movement used to be that you get to choose your gender or choose not to be a gender. You get to move around. Your destiny is not determined for you. What the a lot of the trans movement now is doing is, is a good word, reifying. They're making these ideas, these abstractions real again. They're making these claims that are similar to Sam Harris's claims and to old racist claims and to old sexist claims that if you're born a particular way biologically, this is who you are, right? Because you've heard a lot of trans people say this, right? I was born a woman. That's, that's what they often say. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is no one was born anything. But, well, I, you are losing me in a huge way. Why? You don't think that women, that some women are born women and some, you don't think you're born a man? No. What are you born? Why are you a man? For all sorts of reasons. For all sorts of reasons. Yeah. None of them being well, biological. We just decided. We none, just of being, none of them being the XY chromosome. We none just, of them being you have testicles. None we of them went, being you have a penis. None of them being the fact that you generally gravitate towards male activities like boxing, kickboxing, aggressive we just, things. We just went through this whole thing. No, you didn't. Yoel Romero and Andy Dick. Yeah, but you. Why are they both men? But you. You. Yeah. You're a man. Yeah. Right? We're not talking about the broad spectrum of masculine behavior. We're talking about no one is born a man. You're not born a man. I'm not born a I'm man. Saying, I'm saying that, the, no, I think. I think we're getting silly. Hold on here. I think it's the category of man becomes meaningless. Does it? Yeah, we just did this, man. No, we didn't. Why? We definitely didn't do Yoel this. Romero and Andy Dick are well, both. It's a broad in, category. Uh, Lines so get blurry broad. at the ends of the spectrum, and I think they cross over. The f male female lines do cross over when you get to that Kenyan runner mm -hmm. and Andy Dick. Yeah, but that's what I'm you saying. Do. It's so broad that it mm -hmm. becomes to me pretty damn meaningless. Okay, so there you go. Provocative stuff. Joe Rogan was flummoxed. And let's now, with all that as the backdrop, let's turn to my discussion, sort of a debate, with Thaddeus Russell. Welcome to a brand new edition of Are You Live? We are joined tonight by, I'm going to make an admission, everybody. This is embarrassing. I'm actually kind of nervous even saying this. Uh, I've said this publicly, actually. Do you guys know the only... Um, I've I read one economics textbook text in all of graduate school, and I have a PhD in history. Do you guys know which text that is? This is true. I've said this publicly. Which text that is? Raise your hand if you, if you know. Okay, I'll tell you. Karl Marx's Capital. It's the only economics I read. PhD, Columbia University, in history, which is often classified as a social science. This is, this is truly shameful. So I, we are joined tonight by one of my two economics teachers that I've ever had in my life. One is Tom Woods and one is Bob Murphy. Bob Murphy's here. So I listened to you, Bob and Tom, on the Contra Krugman podcast from the episode one for a good, I don't know, at least a year or two, every single episode. And between the two of you, I learned everything I know about economics. So uh, you guys have a gift for presenting pretty difficult economic concepts very clearly for morons like me. And um, you also have, of course, a radical in just that it's not orthodox take on many things, which I find always interesting and refreshing. And here's, here's more good news. Like, I really tend to agree with you. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and we'll, and I'm gonna like I'm gonna I'm gonna jab you a little bit, all right? Mm -hmm. But it's a very it's a super friendly jab. The thing I like about you guys the most, and the Austrian school of economics in particular, is this idea, as I understand it, 
at the very center of that school of thought that value is subjective. When I heard that, Bob, I, um, I got to say it was, it was almost sexual, the feeling <laughs> I got. Uh, because I've been talking to libertarians for a long, 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 long time and trying to just tell them, look, these French gay philosophers, you know, named postmodernists actually are your best friends. You know, Nick Gillespie and I have been saying this for a while. And, uh, you know, we can lay out the, I, I can lay out the argument if you want, but, you know, it's um, when I noticed that the Austrian school had this right in the middle of their, of their theories, this relativism, which is at the center of postmodern thought, as I read it, I thought, oh, it's like Mises was a postmodernist. Karl Menger was a postmodernist. I suppose Hayek, I don't know about Hayek, but I guess he must have been in some ways, at least on that question. Did he think that value was subjective? But anyway, Bob, so, um, so welcome, comrade. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to the, the postmodernist uh, cabal here. Uh, thanks for coming, man. No, seriously, I'm really glad and honored and I'm really great, grateful for like all my economics knowledge, much of which I'm, I swear to God, I, I, uh, I owe to you. So thanks for coming. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, thanks so much for the kind introduction. Um, so do you want me to go ahead and, and jump in? Do it. All right. So again, just for the benefit of people who might have trickled in here, the backstory is I had ironically been watching Thaddeus on the, the debate he had with Stephen Hicks on the Soho Forum, and then his appearances on Dave Smith and uh, Joe Rogan the second appearance. I don't know if you, I didn't watch your first one. I don't know if you talked about there where you were making the case that, yeah, even though guys like uh, Jordan likes to beat up on the uh, postmodernists that, um, you know, it's actually libertarians or people who care about liberty, let's say um, they should welcome the postmodernists. That, that actually is the best foundation for going forward um, on a foundation of liberty. And so, and I, profoundly disagreed with that aspect of, of your, of, mm. you know, of what you were telling. And so when you invited me to do this, I, that's, we agreed, okay, we'll, we'll start out the conversation yeah. by this. So let me just briefly here, just kind of set the table in terms of my reaction to some of the main points I took you to be making in those different venues. And then again, not like it's a formal debate, but you know, sort right. of a conversation on this topic. I love okay. It. So first of all, let me just get this off the table. So you can't zing me later. I am not familiar with the primary sources of this. So I've read, you know, the Kuhn's oh. structure of scientific revolution. Huh? I've read some, a bunch of secondary stuff and whatever, but it's not really relevant because I'm going to stipulate what you took the postmodernists to be saying, right? Totally. So I'm not going to say you misunderstood them. I'm going to say, I agree with you what they're saying. Mm -hmm. I just disagree with you that what they're saying is a good foundation for liberty. Totally. Um, uh -huh. Here, let me just make a couple of simple observations. To me, this is pretty straightforward stuff, but again, in this debate, like I didn't hear Stephen Hicks formally say this in response. Hmm. So you were stressing how, you know, with science, we can never be sure. You know, we might overturn an old theory and, you know, reject that and, you know, falsify it as it were. And even that's a little bit dubious, you know, with like that description of how we do things in science. But no matter what we think is correct right now, we can never be sure. And I want to say, yep, that's true. I agree. Hmm. But it does not follow from that, that there is no fact of the matter. That we should that we should think. Therefore, there isn't really an objective reality. Um, wait, wait, wait. wait. So that's uh -huh. just a that's a should, right? That's just a that's just a, a normative claim you just made, right? Did you, you say we shouldn't take that position? Or well, I could say but, it does not follow. But why not? Like that's not an argument, right? I mean, is, what is there? I just didn't hear an argument. I'm saying to observe that we can never be sure of like what the laws of nature are. For example. Right. 
it does not follow from that, that there is no fact of the matter. And I, I took you to be saying, and certainly many postmodernists do seem to be making the leap that just because we can't be sure, we really oh. shouldn't go around thinking that there is a fact of the matter. There's some objective oh. reality out there to be discovered. Okay, yes. Okay, I'm not claiming a negative, if that's what you mean. Like, I, I, I used to be an, an atheist, in a sense, in this question, and now I'm an mm. agnostic. If, this, if that's what you're getting at. Like, I, I used to claim, as do some postmodernists, but actually, I don't, I'm not even sure. I might be wrong about that. Maybe none of them do, actually. But some people think postmodernists say this. There, uh-huh. is no, there is no such thing as an objective reality. That's mm-hmm. a truth claim. And I used to say that. I used to say that, like, years ago. And it was actually, swear to God, it was at a renegade, it was at the very first renegade university uh, meeting. And a member said, hey, you know what? Uh, that's not, first of all, it's kind of dumb. And it's not getting the message over that you really mean. What you really are is an agnostic on the question. I was like, oh, duh, yes. That's actually, that's perfect. That's exactly right. Because to say that there is no reality, there is no truth, is a truth claim. And I don't know. There could be a God. I mm-hmm. don't know, right? Um, humility is at, the, is at the heart of all of this stuff to me. Like intellectual humility is actually, that's, what, that's the beautiful part of postmodernism. And it's, um, you won't find any of these guys, Derrida, Foucault, I don't think someone can correct me, Leotard, I can't think of any one of them who makes a truth claim or even a negative truth claim, right? So we agree, I think, on that. Okay. Okay, does that help? Did that yeah. address it? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're saying, I take you not to be saying, you're open to the possibility that there is an objective reality. Yes, sir. Whereas you're not, you're not sure that there isn't. Yes, sir. Okay. That is right. Okay. Yeah. I thought I did say that in the debate, didn't I, at some point? Um, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe. I, I, th- I thought you at least left open the door to, you know, we, we can't say. Certainly gonna, some of the, like I say, like Rorty or think of people like that in interviews, you know, was, was, makes it sound as if, but okay. I'm okay, agno- agnostic. I'm agnostic okay. on that question. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Perhaps more relevant then, uh, similarly, when you were on Rogan's show, the one, the one that I saw, mm-hmm. you were um, stating the true claim that there are certain things, uh, for example, like our definition of what does it mean to be a man or a woman, mm-hmm. where I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, and obviously correct me, but I, I took you to be saying to him something along the lines of, we can't give a list of necessary and sufficient conditions that define those categories such that you would agree, Joe, that that captures everything you want to say is a man and excludes everything that you want to say is not a man. And I agree with that. Then I took you to be saying, therefore these categories really are arbitrary and in fact, meaningless. And it's up to each of us to decide what we are. No. Yeah. Again, I didn't say that, (laughs) but it's okay. No, I mean, a lot of people heard that, but that's not what I said. You can play it again. No, I never said these categories are meaningless. I simply said that they were human made. That's it. That's really, that's, that's the, that's the extent of the claim. And in, the, in this, and if they are human-made, if we agree that they're human-made, mm-hmm. they are therefore obviously changeable, right? They can, they, and in fact, they have changed. Like all the categories have changed over time, including what a man is, what a woman is, what female is, what male is, what a dog is, what a cat is. These have changed all over time, constantly, um, okay. across, across, across time and across space. So like we, different cultures have to- very different ideas about what a man is and what a woman is. They're are uh, legal codes, especially in Southeast Asia, but all over the world in different countries that have multiple genders and multiple sexes even. So, and, and in, 
in Western civilization, in the United States of America, and in England, and in Germany, and in Sweden, they have changed radically too over time as well. And they've, you know, they came up with the chromosomes and they said, oh, well that, you know, these chromosomes go with the men and the, those chromosomes goes, go with the women. But then they found out these, there's these weird chromosomes that don't do what they're supposed to do and that they're wrestling with that now and they're trying to figure out where those chromosomes belong. But right, so they keep add, adding things to the category, right? Mm-hmm. Um, why do chromosomes need to be in the conversation about who a man and a woman are, Right. Now, you could say, well, maybe this chromosome, set of chromosomes, corresponds to some behaviors, you know, but like, how really are you going to ever prove that about that many people over that much space, over that much time, right? That some kind of correlation that you might see. I mean, and how do we know that all those people in the past had chromosomes that we think they had, right? We had no way of testing them, pulling their chromosomes out. So... Categories are not meaningless. They are highly meaningful. And that was actually the main point I was making with Rogan. They've been meaningful in all kinds of ways. So when, you know, they invented the category of the Irish American, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, the Irish in the 19th century, like the Irish, the 18th century is really when it started in England, right? Your ancestors were savages and dogs and Negroes and the missing link. And they were discriminated against, denied jobs, uh, you know, and um, called <laughs> This is, we know this, right? They were considered, and scientists, scientists across the board at Harvard and Ivy League schools, every institute believed that your ancestors, Bob the Irish, were a totally separate race of people than white people were. That was the scientific consensus. And it was the same consensus about Italians later and Jews later. And of course, always blacks and Mexicans, and the Asians, right? But now we have totally, totally different scientific ideas and views about those things and everything else, including the composition of the wall behind me, right? You know, just a few centuries ago, right? That wall was solid, and there was no question about it. And now it's a consensus that it's half solid and half half empty. Atomic theory, right? There's space between the atoms. That's like a radical change. Like, Jesus, like that went from being 100% solid to 50%, like just in a few centuries, right? And do you want to talk about like the, the relationship between the sun and the earth and how science has changed its minds about the. So, categories mean a lot in that people believe when they believe in them, when they become cultural norms, of course, they shape their worlds around them. So, in the 19th century, when an Irish person got off the boat, you know, they were sent to the ghetto. Because it was commonly believed, it was scientifically true that these people should not live with upstanding white people because they were not white people. They were a different race. They belonged with the Negroes. But, you know, they're highly meaningful. They're highly meaningful, these categories that have been created, even for dogs and cats and stuff that's sort of trivial, right? Like, sure, we still organize our existence around people's broad beliefs in in these categories. So, yeah. Okay, so again, there's no way we can prove this right now, but I'm, I mean, I literally just watched it like two days ago. Okay. And when you're talking, maybe you misspoke, but after you made your case and he was going back and forth, you did say an offhand remark. I mean, these categories are basically meaningless. Oh, so, 
Oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't. You can anybody can go watch. It's a clip that's been watched by like ten million okay. people. But whatever. So, I mean, but that's fine. But, if you're clarifying what you're saying, so, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So even so, there. And again, the reason you know Joe was flabbergasted is you were saying everyone gets to decide if he's a man or or if the person. I don't want to say he. If the person is a man or a woman, that's that's up to the individual to decide. Sorry, I'm rem- sorry. I'm remembering the interview now. No, in fact, mm-hmm. no, I don't know. There's no way you could glean that from. I don't know what you watched, but like I spent like a I think people can back me up here, right? I spent the bulk of that interview in that section, and then when we talked about this, um making exactly that case that the categories did great harm, which also pissed off a lot of people, right? That creating these categories of races and sexes and genders and sexualities have almost always been used to harm people. Remember that? I mean, that's, yeah, the, right. well, that's, so that, so that's meaningful. That's meaningful, right? That's obviously, I, obviously I didn't mean they were meaningless. I meant that they were super meaningful, just not in usually good ways. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. okay. Just wanted to clear that up. But, but again, I mean, so again, this, this we, you know, I don't want to get bogged down on this point too much, but I'm just saying that observation that categories can change over time. Mm-hmm does not mean that at any given moment, therefore, it's really up to the individual to decide what category something should be placed in. I mean, so, and again, again, because that that was the thing, if you remember, that was shocking Rogan, is that you were saying, he said, wait a minute, you weren't born a man? And you said, no. Uh And he was listing all the things that in his mind made you a man, (laughs) right? And so I'm, I'm just, you know, stating that, yes, just because, and similarly, like just a minute ago, when you said, I mean, Bob, the Irish... It used to be a hundred years ago. The Irish, so you're still talking about an Irish person. So you're using that kick. So I'm just pointing out that taken to its extreme, you know, if we, you wouldn't be able to say anything. So you're still having to cling on to, you know, what we mean by an Irish person. And you're just saying it used to be that they thought an Irish person was such and such. Yeah. Now we don't think that anymore. Right. And so, so again, it's with a lot of stuff, it seems like you're making a, you know, a standard observation. And then where you take it, I just don't think follows. And you, missed, you make the leap pretty quickly. I missed the I missed the part about the Irish bit. So you said you said a sentence that was captivating to me. I got it. It was amazing. I gotta, Just I gotta, one. I got it. I got. Well, I got to go back to this. So yeah. Okay. But I want. I want to. I want to get it right. You said something about like it's not up to. I remember these two words mm-hmm. or three words. It's not up to you. Up to you to decide. So what? What do you mean? Say that. What was that again? What was that? What, what do you mean by that? This might not be exact. Well, I was saying just because the, the community's understanding of what words mean or what constitutes categories could change over time. And I agree with you, they do. And again, yeah. not just with sensitive things like identity of an right. individual, but you know, standard stuff like, like sure. the definition of a second. Sure. That has changed over time. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. And the way they define it has changed too. It's not merely that they get more precise. It's like they switched yeah. to talking about you know, vibrations at the atomic level, which clearly... 2000 years ago, they didn't talk about. Okay. Right. Right. So I'm saying the fact that that changes over time doesn't mean at any given moment, an individual can therefore just say, you know what? I'm a man. Wait, because what do you mean? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what, hold on. Stop. So like, therefore we cannot, what do you mean? We cannot, like, I thought you were a libertarian about personal choice and freedom and individuality. Like what, who up to, and can't like you're which according to whose rules in the sense in which I cannot truthfully say three plus three equals 400. So yes, I have the right to utter those syllables. Okay. If that's what you mean. So if you're saying, Bob, do you think people should have the right to say, you know, I'm an eight foot Asian man? Sure. 
Okay. But I took you to be saying for regular people when they recoil and say, no, you're not that, that, Oh no, they're being, they're, they're ignorant of the rule laws of history. They don't realize those categories and definitions have morphed over time. And so really when you think about it, anybody can be anything. Yeah. So wait, I'm not allowed. Am I allowed to be an agnostic on whether, what was the thing? Three plus three equals whatever. Like, am I allowed to be an agnostic on two plus two equals four? Are you well? I don't know what you mean by allowed. If you mean, do you have the right? No, you, legally? those are these are the words. This is the kinds of words you use, right? Up to right. you said it's not up to me to decide. I guess what you're getting at mm. was my gender choice, because that's what you talked about originally, right? right? Yeah. So you, again, this kind of goes the, back to the earlier point. I'm saying right. because you're saying in certain situations it might be ambiguous what the answer to a statement is or the question is. <laughs> Right. Therefore, you're saying we really can't know. And I'm saying, no, there is a fact of the matter. Yes, two plus two equals four if we agree on what those terms mean. Mm-hmm. And, it, and no, it's not up to the individual to say, well, I'm not sure that it is. I mean, you can be not sure, but you're, the rest of us are sure. So, it, so I'm saying. Uh-huh. So it wasn't up to, so it was already chosen for me that I was a man when I was born. It was. Of course In it terms was. of how, of course, the, of, of course how we was. use those terms, yes. Of course, yeah. Yeah, of course. It, and that, do you hear my word? Chosen. Of course. It was chosen for me. Chosen as mm-hmm. voluntary by, and you just said, by the community, right? Mm-hmm. By the community I was born into, right? So if I was born into Thailand, I'm a very like fine-boned man. I could have been classified as a, as a third gender. They have, three, they have three official, sorry, sex, three official sexes mm-hmm. in not just Thailand, but across many countries in Southeast Asia especially. So, um, because well, I was on. born, because, so because I happen to be born here and now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, of course, the people controlling the here and the now put me in their category that they had created with all of their scientists over centuries who, according to you, have changed their minds constantly about everything. Mm-hmm. And so I would like, you know, when I'm, especially when I'm talking to a libertarian to, you know, not only be allowed, but actually be encouraged to, gosh, at least be skeptical of the powers that be. So, Bob, like, you know what the first thing they did was when I was born to mark my gender that mattered was mark it on the motherfucking state-issued birth certificate. Mr. Libertarian, like, you don't want me to question this? Like the state immediately took an interest in what my gender was and needed to like register officially what my gender was. Like I would think of all people in the world that a libertarian would be like, good God, question everything on that form, especially like the state identifying your gender, which apparently has some, some things to do with like whether or not you like dresses or Tonka trucks and whether or not you're likely to be good at math or whether or not you're likely to be like, you know, emotional or cross your legs in weird ways or, you know, want certain, I mean, what, so what do you mean? It wasn't up to me. Like, yeah, it wasn't up to me because I was an infant up against the County of Alameda and the state Mm -hmm. of California and the United States of America and hundreds of years of Western civilization. But if you're a radical and I thought for sure you were, Mm -hmm. then, you know, once I became like able to make sense of the world, you know, by the time I was like, two or three or four, I, I hope you would like encourage those of us individuals, right? Born into that system that wants so desperately to want to categorize us so it can manipulate us and use us. Okay. Uh, to question it. Just a question. Just a question. Just ask okay. questions. Just so, agnostic. Right, right. Okay. 
So it seems to me, you know, that's very clever and compelling, <laughs> except it sounds like what you're doing is saying the equivalent of the IRS makes me write down my adjusted gross income and takes money from me. Therefore, are we sure money exists? And that's clearly I'm a non sequitur. Pretty sure that's a skewed analogy. But um, okay, um, yeah. let me ask you this. <laughs> okay. The biologists want to say you're a member of the species of Homo sapiens. How dare they impose it? Do you get to decide that no, you're not? Do physicists, when they say you're composed of electrons, you get gonna, to say, do you get to say, no, I'm not? I'm not composed of electrons. Don't impose that on why, me. Wait, why on earth would you be in the business of defending biologists? Do you know what they've done? Like in the past? Do you know the history of biology? That's the grisliest profession ever. Like, are you kidding me? And I'm not even, you know, and I'm not, not even talking about Joseph Mengele. He was just representative. <laughs> like, so hang on though. So, but, but seriously. So no, no, seriously. What, what, like, no, I, I, no, I want to know what you- terrible what, what, tradition to be defending. Like what, what do you on mean earth? by that? So are you saying biologists should stop classifying organisms? I'm saying to be skeptical as hell of them, especially when they try of to classify course. you. Right. And I am skeptical if, of certain things, but not when they say male and female is a very useful thing in biology. And but, for most people, we can define categories, but, but Bob, place them into one or the other, even though, yes, there are borderline cases and different cultures might have differences. But who, but who invented those categories of male and female? Right. You have two choices. I know you're a Catholic and I, you know, one is I'm, I'm actually, I was raised Catholic. I'm, I'm, I'm a Protestant now. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. But I mean, so it's either God, right? You have two choices. Mm -hmm. Well, three, God, nature, some kind of secular nature, right? Mm -hmm. Or human beings. Um, so who invented the categories of male and female? Right. So, I mean, yes, I am a, no, a Christian. No, I'm asking. I'm asking. So, yeah, God. Oh, God did? Yeah. Oh, okay. And humans may imperfectly understand <laughs> that. <laughs> then the conversation's over. And I don't mean that it's not hostile at all. I mean, right. seriously, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing to talk about, right? Because I can't disprove that or prove that. I mean, that's, I see. I, I mean, and I understand. That's why I don't want to just go there because I realize that's sort of a conversation. <laughs> stuff. But I'm saying, even <laughs> if one were agnostic about the existence of God, <laughs> I'm still saying this other stuff for. Brother, if you believe in God, I can't tell you that's false. Like, and I won't, and I can't, I just, it's dumb and wrong and I, I can't disprove mm. it. Like you, I, yeah. So, but that's also the end of the conversation. Like that can't, but the thing is, I completely respect that. Like, that's, that's great. But there's just nothing to talk about, which is fine. Like, I mean, and that's, but, uh, but for the, in the interest of those who, in <laughs> because, my opinion, have not yet come to the truth that there is a God, I, I don't want to leave them dangling. But wait. Um, I, well, no, but seriously, what, when you say, why would you give Bob, biologists the, the authority to do this, to say who's a man and a woman? Yeah. Or to give us these categories and the state implies it, you know, right. imperfectly. How far do you take that? I mean, again, should biologists stop going to work? Should they just give up because oh, 100 answer, years ago? I answered your were... question. Just be skeptical as hell of them, especially when they try to categorize you. That's all. That's all. Okay, okay but you, you said more than that on Rogan. Again, what made Rogan's jaw drop when he was like, as you were saying, you get to decide. You, you said everyone gets to decide what category they are. And I'm, yeah. I'm saying that that I, doesn't follow. I, I didn't. I mean, I don't know. I, you keep bringing up- I keep quote, quoting what you said. <laughs> I mean, everybody can go into YouTube and watch the- I mean, I, but I, I would I'm encourage saying, people to do that, but- Okay, man. And, and you can go to YouTube right now. They can have it going on the side. It is, it's uh, Joe I don't, Rogan, I don't, his name. I don't- Argue mean, over gender or something. It's like, it's like it was pulled out. You don't have to sit there and, and search through the whole interview. Like in other 
was there was a pullout clip that caught yeah. my attention, like twelve minutes long. So okay, yeah. So but okay, so you know that's yeah. I'm here right now in front of okay. you, and I'm answering the questions and okay. like that. I, <laughs> okay, and well, no, that, that's good though. So you're saying yeah. it's not that people get to subjectively decide, even though the the categories change. They they what we could just say I'm not happy no, with the way this no. these labels are being applied necessarily and they might be harmful. So again, man, you use these terms like get to. Boy, that scares me. That sounds really authoritarian. So honestly, like it does. Uh-huh. Get to? What do you mean get to qu- get to decide who they are? You think people shouldn't get to decide who they are? I thought individualism was at the core of libertarianism. And I'm okay, not Okay, so I mean, can you decide that you're the planet Jupiter? I should can. you have that freedom? I can, and the rest of the world can think I'm a moron. Or maybe three people will agree with me or whatever, but I can, and you would want me to be skeptical of everything, right? Even stuff like that. Because, no, 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 hold on a second. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me make a point that I think is really important. So really, really important. Um, what is like, it, you know, what is the problem with being a libertarian in this, in this society? The problem is that you guys are radicals, right? You're radicals. Like the vast, vast, vast majority of the society mm-hmm. thinks what about you guys? You're fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Or evil. Or and both. racist. And we evil. People. Yes. Evil, evil, and, and we don't crazy. like roads. But we just like hate roads with a passion. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Super crazy people. You are, right? So radical, so beyond the pale. This is what this is what is said about you by everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone. You see what I'm saying here? Like the number of people who believe that they are a planet is <laughs> probably close to the number of libertarians in the world. <laughs> yeah. You're both, you're both radical minorities. You know, I'm trying. And, and so when I see, when I see radical minorities of any kind, I defend them. It's just like, it's just a thing. Because I, be- I, because I just choose as values, not as any absolute moral claims. It's just my values. I just like this. I like this. Mm-hmm. I like stuff like um, this thing called personal liberty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I like it too. Yeah, so I thought so. I think, okay, so why don't we try this way? Okay. Strategically, I think it's much better that if we see this small group of people saying things that are unpopular, like, you know, why don't we get rid of government schools? what people call public schools. Why don't we, right. you know, privatize the, the police and military even? And that sounds nutty. To me, the best way to advance their position to get people to take them seriously is to say, logic and truth and reason all exist. They're real objective things. These mm. libertarians might be correct or not. And that's, there's mm. a fact of the matter. And let's hear their arguments fairly and not just right. dismiss them as kooks. I wouldn't say, which I take you to be saying, is hey, you know what? Let's not pass judgment on anybody. Just like we wouldn't judge someone who says no. he's Jupiter. No. By the same token, how can we judge someone who thinks that we should privatize the military? Because all no. viewpoints are equally valid and who are we to, to no. say? Again, I don't think that's going to convince most people. Yeah, again, you're just misquoting me. So, I mean, no, I mean, I pass judgment on everything. Here's the thing. I, I pass judgment according to, I try to anyway. I try to pass judgment according to my, as I said, personal values which are not, mm-hmm. there's nothing objective about that at all. There's no claim about any other person on earth except about me mm-hmm. and my values. Um, so no, judge the hell out of anybody. I'm just saying if you value, as I do, personal liberty, mm-hmm. um, if you value um, 
being skeptical toward authority, questioning authority, that good old 1970s bumper sticker, like my favorite of all time that's disappeared now. If you favor individualism, for God's sake, if you favor all the things I thought for sure libertarians stood for, then you should always just at least say, hey, the guy may sound crazy, but leave him alone. Maybe, maybe he's the one guy among all the schizophrenics who turns out to be Van Gogh. You know what they did to Van Gogh, right? You know what they did to all kinds of people we now consider to be the greatest geniuses in the history of Western civilization? They put them in insane asylums. Bob, you know that, right? Like half of the damn economists and artists and intellectuals and poets and painters spent time in those prisons run by states that deemed them to be what? Totally crazy, insane lunatics. So I'm saying, like, I stand with those people in those asylums. Right, and so do I. I'm not so sure. What, why? Just because you're not sure of anything or you're particularly because, not sure because about I that? Stand, because I don't, because you think you just stand with Van Gogh in those asylums. I stand with everyone in those asylums because there might be a Van Gogh and because I don't trust the state ever to determine or any, or the authorities because the scientists either anybody to determine anyone's identity, who they are and whether their thoughts are appropriate. Okay. So if there's someone saying I am the planet Pluto or Jupiter, I don't want to change the example on it. I want to confuse you. I would say, I am quite sure you are wrong. The way we define those terms, that is a silly statement. I think you're joking in fact, or, you know, something's wrong with you and you don't know what you're saying. But okay, I think you're totally wrong. Nobody should lay a hand on you because you're saying what I think are goofy things. And I took you to be saying something stronger than that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, again, everybody can, with a click, they can go watch that video. But like, we're here. So I'm, no. No, I mean, right now, in the conversation we just had. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, uh, yeah, there's three people with their hands up. But um, so I really, and we have like less than an hour. So, and this, okay. this I sort of got this will go all night. Um, I, there was a point I was going to make and I forgot what it was. So let's go to the hands and it'll, I'll remember okay. it. Okay. And, and you can, you know, come back and pester me anytime okay. you want. Okay. I love that point. You just, you just made an Austrian argument in favor of like transgenderism, basically. I love it. <laughs> I think. Go ahead, Bob. So, right. And it's, and it's not even, my point in this was not even, you know, I don't want to, pick a fight in terms of the transgender wars and things yeah, like yeah. that. Partly just because, you know, I, I don't, I haven't I'm, research. I'm sorry. This, I'm but, sorry, but you already have. <laughs> right. But I'm saying you, what I am quite sure of is Which that is fine. It, it, okay. again, and now it's, you know, it seems like you're saying, well, you didn't say that. And my point merely being just because categories have changed over time. And again, we can pick something that's less, uh, you know, uh, sensitive and, and, and emotional or, or that, you know, might be, be near and dear to people. But just because categories changed over time, it doesn't mean that at any given moment, it's arbitrary into which category we place something. Maybe, I don't know, can I maybe respond this way? So mm-hmm. what, what you said also on Rogan's show, that it was that you were saying, hey, historically, you know, these labels or categories were used to keep people down. Yes. Right. That, yes. you know, if you were a woman, that meant you could be a nurse or a school teacher Yes, you, know, you couldn't work at NASA, you know, things like that. Yeah. And then you said, then the postmodernists come along, show how those labels actually have morphed over time. And so they're actually not these rigid scientific logical things like, you know, the right wing conservatives believe them to be. Yes. They're, they're mutable, these categories. Yeah. 
And then look at fast forward, women and black people and so on have much greater freedoms now than they did or you know, social liberties than they did uh-huh. in 1950. Yeah. And that was because everyone realized these categories are arbitrary. And I want to say, no, that's not what happened. People still <laughs> thought women, the term woman was a, an objective fact of the matter and just thought, you know what, we should stop discriminating against women. It's not fair that women don't get to work at NASA. It's not that they said, really, it's arbitrary whether you're a man or a woman. And since we let men work at NASA, why don't we let someone else who calls herself a woman? It was that they said, it's wrong. We shouldn't have done that to women. Let's stop doing that. That's what happened, I would say. Bob Murphy. That was a big mistake. <laughs> okay. Um, wait. Um, you just made a claim about what second wave feminism was. Um, and I made a claim about why can women work at NASA. You made it sound, not you sound, you claimed it wait. was because the majority became postmodernist and realized woman was an arbitrary category. And I'm saying, no, that's not what happened. Dude. People yeah. said... Dude. Most people disagree with you. Would you agree with that? Okay, clearly, you have not read a single word of second wave feminism, um, which was the mover behind all of this. Everyone agrees whether you like it or not, right? Whether you like second wave feminism or not. And I'm a big critic of most of it. It was the major mover in all of those changes. We all agree on that, right, guys? So if you read a word of Betty Friedan, Gloria Steinem, Robin Morgan, go to every single one I've ever heard of, the very first thing they say basically is what everyone like women are not, their destiny is not determined by their gender, by their sex, by their bodies, by their biology, by the scientists who have been telling us women for centuries that we are biologically incapable of working for NASA. Their, their first attack was against biology, dude. And against your scientific claims here. Um, that was the that was that was the very first thing that happened. That's exactly what enabled all of that stuff. Move. Because, because wait, this is a crucial, right? If you believe, as as almost everyone did, including women, including women, that women are in fact biologically incapable of doing certain things, there will be absolutely no movement in the society on that, right? That's what's going on in much of the Middle East, right? Because the women too in those countries believe that they are biologically, fundamentally, not biologically, well, yeah, fundamentally, but given by God, right, uh, to be deficient in certain ways, right? But no, they went straight after science. That was the- Right. And so, again, just to okay. be clear. It was a postmodern move they made. The, what happened is people perhaps, yes, used to think, no, by their very nature, women are not suited to mathematics and engineering and yeah. telemetry. Therefore, and then they decided, oh, wait a minute, we were wrong about that. Women are capable of doing those things. And I'm saying that is way different from saying the category of what a woman is, is arbitrary and has been used to oppress people. So therefore, people can just declare whether they're a woman or not. And there's no fact of the matter that has anything to do with biology. Yeah, like Mises did, right? The subjective value. That was a postmodern idea before postmodernism. Can, can I say a word about that? Sure, yeah. Okay, so... In this, I know George Reisman one time went to the Mises Institute and from an objectivist perspective, you know, critiqued that notion. So in economics, and by the way, it's not just Austrians, the way you're using subjective value theory, all modern economists, I mean, all mainstream, you know, neoclassical, everybody I know. Would, would be subjective. So it's, it's not, I mean, the Austrians were- You it pioneered it. Menger and, and two others, you know, brought it in. But they yes. pioneered it, yeah. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so what it means, it doesn't mean that, you know, it's not moral subjectivism or things. It's just saying 
what people value in terms of different goods and how they affect them. So just as an economist, why does this person spend a lot of money on cigarettes and this person doesn't? The answer, oh, this person likes cigarettes. He gets utility from it. They give him value in his mind. And this other person, that's not true, right? So that doesn't mean I'm still allowed to say smoking is bad for you or smoking is immoral, whether I personally am committed to those claims. I'm just saying it's coherent for me as an economist to say the value, the, the subjective value people get from smoking is something in their minds and is unique to each individual. And I could say, I think smoking is objectively immoral and people shouldn't do it. When did There's Mises nothing write? contradictory there, the way those claims are being made and the way Mises was making those claims. Mises was not a postmodernist. When did, when did Mises write Human Action? 1949. Yeah. So he's writing it in 49. So this is like, this is like the high tide of progressivism. Boy, I'm getting shivers thinking about the death toll just, um, and, the, and the mass like social engineering projects. And by, by 1949, good God, I mean, seriously, right? Um, we have both world wars behind us, we, but we're still in full throttle and we're going into another nasty, basically world war with Korea, whatever. But, you know, the progressives have been like, as you well know, like toying with human beings' bodies for decades at this point in all kinds mm -hmm. of ways and trying to assemble them in all kinds of mass ways and killing them by the millions mm -hmm. in the process and incarcerating the rest and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that they did that they loved to do was the progressive economists of the time. They loved to write these budgets for working-class families, what working-class Americans should buy. And they also mm -hmm. love to write lists of prohibited, what should be prohibited. You know, and of course, alcohol was number one and that led to prohibition. And, you know, I know your position mm -hmm. on prohibition. I'm pretty sure you're against it. <laughs> and, um, but it was about cigarettes and it was about movies and it was about going to the arcades and it was about bubble gum for the kids. And it was all these things you should not buy, you working class f***s in the Lower East Side. Mm -hmm. And so then, of course, these weren't just progressive economists just writing their little journal articles and then going to bed at night, of course, who did they work for? They were for the government, right? Because mm -hmm. the government was all about, this started during World War I, by the way, because the government was all about shaping the people up for the wartime economy because they had to discipline these savages in the streets of the Lower East Side and all across America to fight the Hun. Mm -hmm. That was, you know, science talking through the government, once again, like science was cited because scientists came along, nutritionists, that it was invented then, right? It was this whole new science of nutrition. Nutritionists were invented. Oh, here's, we got these new scientists and we're like, oh, what? They're called nutritionists and they have, they're here to tell you that you should not smoke cigarettes or drink alcohol or eat too much mm -hmm. meat or give your kids candy, uh, especially if you're poor or working class or black or Jewish or Irish. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so human action comes along right in the middle of two massive attempts after two massive attempts to do that to people, right? To tell mm -hmm. millions of people what they should and should not eat and give to their children, right? And scientists were behind the whole project and human action comes along and says, no, you bastards, get your science off my kids. I get to choose. You don't get to decide what's good or what's right, what's, what's true about my children and about my body and what goes into it, what goes into my kids' bodies. To me, that's like the beautiful liberatory power of human action. Okay, but the way Mises would say, don't do that, he wasn't saying, ah, science is bad. He would say, no, what you're doing is actually unscientific. Mm. Mises was a champion of reason. 
he defended log logic against the Marxists who were claiming polylogism. And he was saying Mises was a rationalist. Hayek, in fact, criticized Mises, saying Mises you know, tries to explain too much by reference to reason. Like he thinks social cooperation is because people recognize the value of the division of labor. And Hayek thought, no, it was more spontaneous than that. So you're right, Mises would oppose those particular things you said, but not because, hey, I don't like science. He would say, you're misusing science. Right. Or scientists have the power of the state and there's various reasons that, 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 that he would list as to why that's an illegitimate use of state power. And certainly would, it was counterproductive to the ends the interventionists claimed to be striving oh, for. Here's a question. Did Mises ever write about science in this way? I mean, on this question at all? Did he ever write about his skepticism towards science or scientists or any of that? I'm trying. I mean, I do, I do remember when he was talking or, about Nazi Germany. Or any, was, or any Austrian. Uh, yeah, I do. This, you'd like this one. Like this, I'll, I'll give you a gift. Ah. The closest thing I can think of to what, you know, to you being able to use this against me is he um, excuse me, it, use, use this to help us. Um, it's, it's not, it's not, a, it's right, not, that's right. it's not a competition. Um, I remember, I don't remember the details, but I remember in one of his works, it wasn't human action, but it was something else where he was talking about, you know, the Third Reich and how the, the categories they were using to try to identify like Aryan versus, you know, a mm. Jewish person or whatever, that he was, he was saying th this was pseudoscience. I, I remember him saying, again, I don't remember enough of the details, but so he was Hmm. saying that the categories they were, it wasn't merely that they were using good science for an evil purpose. He was saying some of their classification techniques that no, if you look at it, 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 it would, it would fall apart that it, it wasn't actually relevant. No, that doesn't, that doesn't help me at all. I mean, that's, that's your claim, right? You're just, that's, you're saying that there's some bad science and there's some good science, but there's good science that what differentiates between you and me is that you think that there's some science that actually has access to the truth. At least in principle, there could be, it's possible we get yeah. it right. Yeah, that's the whole, that you, I mean, that's the whole difference between us, right? So that you can, if you can, so you can have that position and still think there's like bad scientists out there, right? That's totally consistent. So that Mises is not helping me at all, actually. <laughs> um, we got to get these people in. We're running out of time. And we haven't even talked about like economics yet. Jesus Christ, man, that's why you're here. You're my teacher and I'm like disrespecting you in so many ways. You've just experienced another episode of The Bob Murphy Show. The podcast promoting free markets, free minds, and grateful souls. For more information and to subscribe to this podcast, visit BobMurphyShow.com. <laughs>